Monday through Friday devotional podcast. I'm glad you've joined us again today. Our reading today comes from the book of Numbers, chapter 17, verses 1 through 12. The word of the Lord says this. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and get from them staffs, one for each father's house, from all their chiefs, according to their father's houses, twelve staffs. Write each man's name on his staff, and write Aaron's name on the staff of Levi. For there shall be one staff for the head of each father's house. Then you shall deposit them in the tent of meeting before the testimony where I meet with you. And the staff of the man whom I choose shall sprout. Thus I will make cease from me the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against you. Moses spoke to the people of Israel, and all their chiefs gave him staffs, one for each chief, according to the fathers' houses, twelve staffs. And their staff of Aaron was among their staffs. And Moses deposited the staffs before the Lord in the tent of the testimony. And on the next day, Moses went into the tent of the testimony, and behold, the staff of Aaron for the house of Levi had sprouted, put forth buds and produced blossoms, and bore ripe almonds. Then Moses brought out all the staffs from before the Lord to all the people of Israel. And they looked, and each man took his staff. And the Lord said to Moses, Put back the staff of Aaron before the testimony to be kept as a sign for the rebels, that you may make an end of their grumblings against me, lest they die. Thus did Moses. The Lord commanded him to do this. And the people of Israel said to Moses, Behold, we perish, we are undone, we are all undone. Everyone who comes near, who comes near the tabernacle of the Lord, shall die. Are we all to perish? I want to speak to you today about life from the dead. You know, this is an interesting passage from the book of Numbers, a book that we don't often hear preached from in our day. The book of Numbers is one of those first five books of the Bible, and it deals with the challenges that the nation of Israel faced on its journey from Egypt to the promised land of Canaan. Numbers is a book of struggle in many ways. God had taken his people out of slavery in Egypt, and he brought them out into the wilderness so that he could teach them the lesson that he most wanted them to learn before crossing the Jordan River and fighting their way into their inheritance, which he had assured them that they would receive. God had one great lesson for his people to learn during this wilderness journey, and it's a lesson he's still teaching to each one of us today. It's a lesson of total trust in him. As we read Numbers and we watch the people of Israel fall into the same traps of unbelief that we as Christians are still tempted by today, we find two great truths emerging. The first is that God is never finished with his people, no matter how badly they seem to blow it. We hear him often say to Moses, stand back, I'm going to wipe them out and start over with you. But then inevitably, Moses intercedes, God relents, God chastises his people, and the journey goes on. In that same way, even when you and I blow it, Jesus is interceding for us. God forgives us, chastises us, puts us back on our journey. 
The second truth we learn is that God isn't wasting this process of his people's constant failure, chastisement, and eventual restoration. Each time this cycle repeats itself, God's doing a work of purification in his people. Little by little, the unbelief that still lives in their hearts is being chipped away until finally, after 40 years, his people are ready to enter the promised land. If you've read the book of Joshua, you recognize right away that though God's people weren't perfect when they crossed the Jordan, they certainly weren't as weak in faith as they were when they crossed the Red Sea at the beginning of their journey. So what's going on in these verses? What's up with these staffs? What's up with the the rod, and what does it signify that Aaron's staff, or Aaron's rod, budded and blossomed and bore fruit? Well, in order to understand, we need to put the event in context. Just before this happened, the people of God had been in full-scale rebellion against God, and God had dealt with their unbelief severely. Their rebellion had centered on the question of whether or not Moses and Aaron were really God's choice to lead the nation through the wilderness. And God punished them for questioning his choice of leaders, and it cost the nation 14,700 casualties. When the discipline was finished, God desired to deal with their unbelief through giving them a sign, an unmistakable mark that Aaron, their high priest, and a picture of Jesus, our high priest, a picture that Aaron was really his choice to represent God to his people and the people to God. How did he do this? What was the sign? God caused Aaron's staff to sprout, to bud, to flower, to produce fruit. It was a visual demonstration designed to remove all doubt of God's choice of Aaron to be the high priest. I mean, consider the meaning of the sign. First of all, when Aaron's staff budded, it was experiencing life from the dead. There was no doubt in anyone's mind that Aaron's staff was dead. How long had the people watched Aaron carry it through the wilderness? God was confirming Aaron's call by doing something only he could do. He brought what was dead to life again. Secondly, this dead staff not only came to life, it sprouted, blossomed, flowered, and produced fruit, all without any visible means of support. No soil, no rain, no sunshine, nothing. The picture here is not just life from the dead, but abundant life from the dead. Life that produced fruit that could be seen, touched, smelled, and tasted. Only God can do these things. So what does this mean for you and me? Have you ever wondered if God has really called you to be a member of his family? In your worst moments, when you've really made a mess of things, have you heard that accusing voice inside your head saying, you can't do that and really believe that you belong to him? If you really belong to God, you wouldn't do something like that. Don't we all blow it every now and again? And isn't the devil right on the spot when we do, tempting us to believe a lie? That God doesn't love us that God hasn't saved us. He takes advantage of every weakness to accuse us, I hope you realize. So how do we answer these accusations? When these accusations come, it's a good time to remind yourself of two observable facts. 
You used to be dead, but now you're alive. Now, what does that mean? It means that before you met Christ, you were a spiritual disaster, unable to do anything to get yourself out of the spiritual deadness you found yourself living in every day. But now, imperfect though you still are, there are real signs of life, sprouting, budding, blossoming. You really want to do God's will. You really grieve when you know that you failed. All of that is a sure sign of life, my friend. Secondly, even though you have moments of failure, still there are other moments, better moments. Moments when you can tell that the precious life of Christ is in you and manifesting itself in you. You aren't all that you'd like to be, but praise God, you aren't what you used to be. Signs of life. Whenever our hearts condemn us, let's look for these confirming signs of life and continue our journey through the wilderness of this world, growing in faith as we go. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your wisdom in dealing with us when we are weak. You don't reject us because of our failures. You discipline us to our advantage. Remind us that the new life within us is your life. Teach us to blossom and flower and bear fruit for your eternal glory as we walk through the wilderness of this world. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us again today. Remember to just keep putting one foot in front of the other on your journey. God is able to bring life from the dead.